Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. It is good to yet again be in the house of the Lord. I'm so thankful to the Lord for each and every one of you that has taken this time out of your Sunday to spend it with me. I'm thankful to God and appreciative of your desire to hear something from the Lord. And I pray that today's word blesses you. It enhances your ability to live the life God intends for you to live. It opens up doors of understanding. It opens up your mind to begin to realize the reality of who you are in Christ. It came to my knowledge last week that somehow you could hear me, you could see the background, but you could not see me. So I teased and I told my wife that I, was, I had my cloak of invisibility on so that you could hear me, but you couldn't see me. So I was just the invisible preacher last week. But thanks be to God, we believe and hope that we fixed whatever the technological issue was uh, this morning and that you can not only hear me, but you can see me. Uh, we'll just wait for the report after the sermon is over. But we pray that last week was a blessing to you. Uh, we did hear from um, uh, a gentleman in North Carolina of how the word blessed him, and we're so thankful that he reached out uh, to me. We are uh, greatly appreciative of him sharing uh, with me uh, how the word has impacted his life. I encourage other believers that if you have questions about the Word of God or anything that I preach or teach, if you need prayer, if you're just looking for conversation to discuss, to help develop who you are in the Lord, reach out to us. You can go to our website on our contact page. You can send an email. Uh, my telephone number is listed there uh, as well if you need uh, to talk to me. We will do the best that we can to make time uh, to speak with you. If it's not right away, we will definitely get back with you uh, as quickly as possible. We want to be a blessing to you. We want to help you navigate this thing called life so that you can enjoy who uh, you are in Christ and the life that you are supposed to have here in the earth until the Lord returns. But if you have need, reach out. If you have prayer, if you need prayer, reach out. And if everything is just A-OK -okay in your life, then I ask that you pray for this ministry. I ask that you pray for me. I ask that you pray for the body of Christ as a whole. If you are overflowing with uh, great abundance, I ask that you think about Grace and Mercy Fellowship Center. And if this ministry has been a blessing to you, I ask that you do what you can to be a blessing to it so that we might continue to bring the word of God to you in every platform that we have access to. And we're so thankful to God for the website. We're so thankful to God for the ability to live stream um, on our YouTube channel, on our Roku station, which I understand that there are some changes on the Roku station. We haven't quite figured that out yet. 
Um, but we do know that the, the channel is still up and the channel should be broadcasting um, or you should be able to search for the live video. Um, but we'll, we'll have more information on uh, that, that issue uh, later on. But we're just excited uh, that God has given us all these different opportunities. Facebook, we've uh, hopefully got Facebook bugs worked out and uh, we're believing that um, we are broadcasting on Facebook right now. Again, we'll wait after the sermon is over to get an update to see how things are going. But if God has been a, a blessing to you and you want to sow into uh, the ministry, we ask that you think about us. Think about what you can do to be a blessing to this work so that we can continue doing what we are doing. Everything that comes into this ministry goes to just support the work of Christ, whether it's our outreach um, or just our physical responsibilities of the building. And we're thankful to God that he's given us this opportunity uh, to meet the needs of the community that we're in and the community at large that we're reaching via this broadcast platform. So again, we thank God for each and every one of you. I will not worry your patience. I will not be before you long. I just wanted to share with you uh, the conclusion of the message from last week that uh, we had begun. We were talking about impatience. We were talking about how impatience has a dramatic effect on you. And today we just want to close uh, that sermon out with a few more pointers, some things to think about, some things that uh, may help you to begin to uh, develop your patience. One of, the, one of the things that we, when we think about God and we think about uh, who we are in Christ and we think about then society and uh, we kind of uh, mirror the two or try to line the two up, we find that things in the world move a whole lot faster than things in Christ. I was joking uh, with my wife a, uh, a while ago when I, those of you that know me know that I really like to uh, smoke uh, meat. I like to, I, I don't know what happened, just one day I woke up and I thought this would be a good idea and you know, we, we went out and we got a uh, smoker, it was on sale, very cheap and I just fell in love with it. And, you know, since then we've graduated. But the one thing about smoking meat that every, um, you know, person that smokes meat will tell you is it's not something that's done quickly. It takes time. If you want the right flavor, if you want the right smoke ring on your meat, if you want the right coloring, the texture, there's a process, and that process takes time. I remember the very first uh, beef brisket that I smoked with burnt ends. It was very delicious, but it took me 13 hours. And that 13 hours that it took me to cook that, and this, is, this was before I really started following some of the cooking teaching of uh, Myron Mixon, who um, believed there are two types of smoking, uh, low and slow, low temperature, slow, you know, longer time period, or fast and hot, hotter temperatures uh, produce quicker uh, cooking um, times. 
but there's a way that you do that. There's a way that you go about it so that you don't lose that flavor. Uh, but the very first time that I cooked one, it took me quite, quite a long time. But let me tell you, everyone that had some of that brisket, they know I didn't eat all that brisket by myself. Everyone that had some of that brisket raved about it. They didn't like the waiting. Heard a lot of the, is it almost done? Is it almost ready? My wife trying to time out the rest of the, the meal so that that would be ready at the same time of the meat. I had to get up early, early in the morning to start the process. As a matter of fact, that process we started uh, a day earlier to get some uh, other part of the prep, prep work done. But it took a while. But once it was done, and it was done right, it was some of the most enjoyable beef brisket I've ever had in my life. And many others shared the same thing. Now, I could have been impatient and just cooked it the old-fashioned way, thrown it in an oven and, um, you know, turned up the temperature, walked away, and been done in, you know, a couple hours, whatever. Um, and, and that will come out, you know, decent. It will come out. It will have good flavor. But it won't be anything near what a smoked brisket would taste like. So you have to implore patience. You have to follow the process. If you follow the process and you're patient, believe me, what comes out in the end will truly be a blessing. So we left off talking about right motives, wrong methods. Right motives, wrong methods. And we're talking about the promised seed that was given to Abram prior to his name change, that he was going to be, give birth or uh, sow the seed for the, the seed of the nation and inherit the promised land. And his frustration with the process, or better yet, the timing of the process. And not only his struggle with the, the process or the timing of the process, but the struggle of Sarai at the same time with the same uh, process, with the same timing of the process, and with an inability to connect herself to be part of what was promised to her husband. Missing out the most important thing that if in a marriage to become one, whatever is promised to one is promised to them both because they are both now one. They are therefore all-inclusive into whatever is spoken over them. My wife will be quick to tell you that what's mine is hers. And I'll leave it at that. Hallelujah. But we, we come to understand that terrible consequences will happen when we move in impatience. Bad things will just happen, and sometimes almost immediately, when we give in to the feeling that we just cannot wait. We just, it just, it's, it's taking too long. 
So we cast away our patience and we allow impatience to break loose on the inside of us and drive us to have it our way, to do it our way. And this was true of Sarah and Abram. But it's not just true of them. They're an example of us. You see, impatience or breaking loose from patience and acting before we should will often result in very terrible consequences. Some immediate, some temporary, and some long-lasting. Impatience, as we started to talk about last week, uh, typically leads to wrong plans, wrong methods. See, Sarah had a motive, and the motive was good. She wanted to see that what God had declared came to pass. She wanted to ensure that what God had spoken would come to pass, that his will would be done, that his mission of salvation for the earth would be fulfilled, that the promised seed that was given to Abraham would be born. She also wanted to be part of God's plan. But because of the process or the timing that is involved in the process, she began to question the very promises of God, wondering if those promises included her, if she was part of the equation. You see, she misunderstood her identity first, being a daughter of God, and second, being in union, in marriage with her husband, Abram. She misunderstood in that moment the oneness that existed between her and Abram, and she misunderstood the desire for God's uh, love to be revealed in that union the intimate connection that is shared between them. Now, she and, uh, and Abram were almost, if not already, beyond the age of childbearing. At this time, Abram was about 85 years old, and uh, Sarah was about 75 years old. Research that in Genesis 16 and 16. And the delay, the waiting, the expectancy, the longing for the promised son, the questioning if she was even included in the promise of God, it just got the better of her. Her impatience broke loose, and when it did, this is what happened. She devises a plan. Now understand, God had a plan, a plan that was in place, a plan that was in motion. But that plan wasn't good enough because it was taking longer than what they expected. So she devises her own method or her own plan where she and Abram could have the promised seed, which is the son, a way that they themselves would then fulfill the promise that God has made. In actuality, Sarah believed that she was not part of this promise, but wanted to ensure she had a part. Well, what, what was her part? She would take 
the Egyptian maid Hagar, and she would give Hagar to Abram so that Abram and Hagar could come together and bear the promised seed. Now, you have to remember that Sarah's motive was good. She wanted to see the promise of God fulfilled, but her method was not God's method. In fact, her method was a method that was diametrically opposed to God's word because it was the exercise of what was common in the land. It was an exercise of that which was custom, was brought about through custom of people. And the consequence of Sarah's impatience is terrible. She falls back upon the world to use a fleshly or carnal method, and the result of that process, of that method, is going to affect all of humanity until the day the Lord comes back. We know what happens. Ishmael is born. Ishmael is not the promised seed. Ishmael is not the fulfillment of the promise that God made. Ishmael is the result of doing it man's way. And as a result, there has been calamity, violence, unending war in humanity between the seed of Ishmael and the seed of Isaac. That's not just affecting them, but is affecting all of the world. So she falls back and does it her way. She uses her plan to bring about God's promise. What she misunderstood is that only God can devise plans and methods to fulfill his will and his promise of salvation. Now, all of us are a part of God's plan. We're a part of the plan, but we are not the originator or the founder or the divisor or, or the wisdom of the plan or the program. We are the laborers. We are the ones who carry out the plan of God, carry out the program of salvation. You see, our task is the same as Sarah and, and Abram's was, was simply to serve God day by day, to serve him by obeying his word explicitly and by waiting upon him to fulfill his promise concerning his promise. And when we begin to take a look at our identity in Christ, and we begin to realize that we function in that identity. That identity and, and, and functioning in that identity all by itself is enough to keep us from functioning in our carnal nature. Functioning in a manner that is diametrically opposed to who we used to be. Remember, the word declares that I am dead and Christ lives in me. I died in baptism. I arose with Christ. The life I now live, I live by the power of Christ. Where? Who is dwelling in me. So I'm functioning as Christ would have me to function. I'm functioning as Christ in the earth 
to carry out the will of the one who sent him, in essence, has now sent us, and God will see to it that everything that he has declared over our life is fulfilled. And because God is standing behind the method, the promise itself can never fail. And because the promise cannot fail, when I connect myself and see myself through the lens of who I am in Christ, I cease being impatient and understand that what is being done, the timing that it takes to accomplish what God has declared is so that the fulfillment without drama I can enjoy. When the promise is then fulfilled, it brings with it no drama. All I have to do is trust in the Lord. You see, impatience is running ahead of the will of God, simply telling God, I, I refuse to wait any longer. And when we have this kind of mentality, it results in devastating consequences. The devising of wrong plans and wrong methods. You see, impatience will result in falling back upon the world, using its worldly and carnal programs. I want you to look at your neighbor, look at the person sitting in the car next to you, sitting on the couch next to you. Um, if you're by yourself, I want you to write this down. Impatience leads to the collapse of faith and failed faith is the personification of impatience. Impatience leads to the collapse of faith. And failed faith is the personification of impatience. You see, Abram had been walking with the Lord for a long time. And for over 10 years, looking at Genesis 16 and 3, this is, a, this is a good amount of time. And for just a short while before this event, God gives Abram a glorious vision of himself and his promises. God had reassured Abram that he was to bear the promised seed and as a result, inherit the promised land. You can read about that in, in Genesis 15, 1 through 21. But now, Abram is facing the test of his life. Now, you might be wondering why I call this the test of his life. I say this because the test itself was thrust upon him by his wife. And the strong arguments she must have been making regarding fulfilling what God has promised. Becoming the fulfiller of the promise of God. She must have argued that God had never mentioned her by name in giving his promise. And if he didn't mention her by name, then the promise must not have included her. In other words, she's trying to validate or build a foundation 
that if she's not included and a woman is necessary to bring forth the seed or a life, then there has to be another woman. The seed has to involve someone other than herself. You see, she had never been able to have children. So in her reasoning, not reasoning according to her identity in Christ, which tells me that nothing is impossible for me, but her reasoning as connected to her identity of her carnal nature that declared that she could not be a part of God's plan since the evidence is she uh, was unable to have children even after all of the years of trying. So God could not have appointed her to be the mother of the promised seed. And you can just envision Abram kind of sitting there wondering to himself, hmm, this makes some type of sense. You see, the, the test itself, it strikes at the heart and the purpose for Abram being on the earth. And the very reason that he left Ur in the first place, Ur of the Chaldees, and moved to Canaan. The whole purpose was that he would bear the promised seed. And he wanted, above all else, to see the promise of God fulfilled. And he wanted to have a significant part in God's glorious plan of salvation for the earth. He understood this was more than about just having a son, but this was about a son that was going to lead to salvation for the earth. You see, this test appealed to his eyes and to his flesh. You know, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. Sex which is necessary for the fulfillment of this promise. Sex, a intimate relational thing that exists between man and woman. Something devised of God to draw man and woman closer to one another and give them the ability to produce life as a result of that intimate connection. Now, Abram had to have been in some way attracted to Hagar. Because, and this is just thinking the way I think, had Hagar been fugly, I mean like really, really, hard to look at. I'm not so sure Abram would have went along with this program. So there had to have been some natural attraction. Understand, out of his carnal nature, not out of his spiritual nature. You see, he wasn't walking in his identity with Christ, recognizing who he was in Christ, Understanding that because he is in Christ, he is able to be fulfilled by Christ, Christ's way, the way that God has determined. You see, Sarah's impatience would win the argument. 
And it would begin to stir Abram to question if she might be right. Abram must have thought something like, I could try to have a son by Hagar, and, uh, you know, it may, this may be really how God had, you know, wrapped it up. This, this may be, you know, God was waiting for us to kind of figure out the, the missing piece because God doesn't, you know, often tell you his process. He doesn't often tell you his method. God has been really good, if you look at Scripture, at telling you the end result at the beginning, but not really telling you how you get from A to B. Because that is dependent upon faith. As you're taking your steps of faith, more is being revealed. You see, he tells you what the end is going to be to establish expectancy and hope. Because you'll need that as you're moving through the promise. You'll need that as you're moving through the journey to get to that expected end. You're going to need to have that hope. But the, the carnal nature will begin to cause you to begin to question whether or not you've missed something that God has said. Or you've misunderstood the void between one statement of God and another. And then you like to put in the missing pieces. He, he had to have been thinking to himself, not only if he lays with Hagar, he could have a son. He could also have a daughter. But that's a subject for another day. He had to have been thinking that if he had a son, he could appoint the son to be the heir of his estate. But if he does this, would that really be the son that was promised by God? It looks on the surface like it could be. It looks like Sarah is incapable of bearing a child. She's been trying for so long. So another woman has to be the way to go. You see, impatience will begin to develop in you arguments to push you towards what seems to be a logical conclusion that in actuality is illogical because you've disconnected yourself from your identity in Christ and you've connected yourself to your identity in a limited temporal existence. But we know that impatience wins the upper hand. Abram's faith and patience in that moment collapsed. You see, Sarah wasn't the only one that thought they couldn't wait any longer. Abram thought he couldn't wait any longer. So he took matters into his own hands. He goes into Hagar's tent and nine months later, Hagar conceives. The point is this, impatience results in a terrible consequence and never fulfills the promise that God makes. A collapsed faith is the personification of impatience. You see, when you're impatient, what you're really saying 
It says, I don't trust God. I don't trust God to wait patiently for what God has declared is going to happen. You see, impatience will lead you to take matters into your own hands and to do your own thing. You'll give in to the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and to the pride of life, and you'll end up saying and doing things that are completely contrary to the will of God and the word of God, all in your good motive to fulfill what God has promised. No man can fulfill the promise of God. There is no man living on the earth that can fulfill the promise of God. Only God can fulfill his promises. As a matter of fact, God's promises are so magnificent that man is incapable outside of God of being able to create something that fully encapsulates what God has said, what God has deemed is going to happen. This isn't just in the possession, in this case, uh, or, or in the possession of things, or in this case, the birth of a son, but you'll see as you think about this sermon, as, as you begin to think about and analyze these things in your life, you look back over your life, you'll see along the way when you began to move in your method rather than in the method of God and how today, for many of us, we're still dealing with wrong, uh, wrong methods. Right motives, but wrong methods. To try to fulfill something that was promised to us. You see, when Sarah began to try to employ the custom of the time and the people, the culture, Abram should have recognized who he was in God. And I use Christ and God interchangeably because they are the same. But Abram should have recognized who he was in God and told his wife, that is not how God explained it. God said it was going to occur. God's desire for us as husband and wife is to bring forth life, to replenish the earth. This is his command. So for whatever reason, whatever is necessary, whatever other things are being set up that I cannot see or I do not know, the time it's taking to get us from the inception of the revelation of the promise to the conclusion, which is the possession of the promise, must be necessary for us to fully enjoy what God has determined. So because I trust God, 
I will not do it in man's way. This is the attitude that he should have had. This is the attitude that we should have. And if the shoes had been on the other foot, and Abram would have been coming up with the plan and bringing this to Sarah, her response should have been the same. Our lives are identified with Christ, so that means that we are fulfilled only in Christ. Christ has already worked out everything. One of the things that I try to get across to people is I don't have to go about making myself right. When you look at some of the um, addiction um, processes, one of the steps that are involved in some of the addiction processes is going to people and telling them you're sorry or trying to make... um, um, you know, recompense for whatever you've done to hurt them or offend them or cause them harm during your time of addiction. You're going around trying to make things right. One of the things that I try to get people to understand is that that's man's way. But see, the way of God on the cross over 2,000 years ago, he made everything right. And because I am identified with what he did on the cross, then everything has already been made right for me. Because I have accepted what he has done, because I have seen and received his grace, I don't have to go around making everything right because he has already made everything right and he declared it when he said on the cross, it is finished. You see, we have this idea that we have to build upon the finished work of Christ. No, the work is done. Everything that was necessary to be complete so that I can enjoy salvation, so that I can enjoy healing, so I can enjoy a blessed life, so I can enjoy walking in the wisdom of God, was taken care of on Calvary over 2,000 years ago. I don't have to devise methods or plans to bring about the fulfillment of my salvation because Jesus did everything that was done. All I need to do is patiently walk in it. Patiently walking is the demonstration of faith. My works, my walking, screams of the faith I have in what Jesus has already done. I'm fulfilled in that. So I can let go of the things that are behind me. Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind me. I press, I move forward so that I can fulfill the plan of God. Taking one step at a time, day by day, moment by moment, allowing myself to be used by God for His purpose while all the while patiently standing in His grace. As God says move, I move. As God says speak, I speak. 
As a matter of fact, God says, when you don't even know what to say, I will put the words in your mouth. Yet many of us won't go out and talk to people because we haven't put something together. I've been to a lot of outreach classes and things like that where they always give you pamphlets. This is how you introduce Jesus to people. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with pamphlets or guides or, you know, anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that when you begin to understand who you are in Christ, when you begin to understand your identity in Christ, when your motive is just to serve the Lord, every opportunity that presents itself to you, the Christ in you will begin to speak in its own behalf. Because you have allowed that to happen because of your confidence and your faith and your trust in God. I don't necessarily need to pre-plan it. There are times when I have a manuscript. I'm a manuscript preacher. When I study throughout the week and I you know, formulate the thoughts that God has given me to, to speak and I use the manuscript to help guide me and keep me on one path so that I'm not all over the place. But there are also times when I have the manuscript in front of me, but I speak something totally different than what's on the pages simply because God has um, changed the course. Simply because that week of preparation for Sunday sermon was good and necessary but that Sunday was just not the Sunday for that sermon. So in the moment, God gives me what is necessary for that moment, and I can either trust God, or I can say, no, no, this, I'm sticking to my, my manuscript because this is what God has determined, and then give a word that doesn't have the impact it could have had had I spoken it in the timing that God had declared or intended when he gave the revelation of that word to me. Just like this revelation of seeing life through the identity of Christ and stop looking at life through the identity of my carnal nature, of my temporal existence, of who I used to be, of my former uh, sin life. You know that God is not even sin-focused? When you begin to understand who you are in Christ, you'll stop being sin-focused. Making sure that you don't do all these little things. When you begin to focus on who you are in Christ, spending time with God in prayer and study, tithing to God. When I'm talking about tithing, something um, you know, that's so powerful if everything that I have, I'm supposed to tithe to God a percentage of, that includes my time. So as I'm tithing my time to God, it's blessing me in return. Because I'm getting intimate with Him. I'm getting closer to Him. I'm getting a greater understanding and revelation of who I am and who He is. And who we are together. It's making me better. It's making, causing me to live in this life 
better than I was before. Simply by following his, his plan, following his method. I'm enjoying the benefits of his promise. So my focus isn't on my failures. I'm not saying I haven't failed even in my Christian journey, that I haven't had moments where I went the wrong way or did the wrong thing or said the wrong thing or had the wrong attitude or whatever. What I'm saying is, is I'm not spending my time focused trying to prevent those things from happening. Those things happen least and least simply because I'm focusing on who I am in Christ. And as I focus on who I am in Christ, my desire is to fulfill the love I have for God. So I search his scripture for ways to satisfy my Lord. The same way as I try to satisfy my wife. I don't spend time trying to focus on how to be a good husband or what not to do as a husband. I spend my time focusing on how I can love my wife better, how I can love her better today than I loved her yesterday. Yesterday was good, but today I want it to be better. So I spend my time not on what I messed up yesterday, but what on, on what I can do better today. My mind is always forward thinking. How I can function in who I am to the benefit of those that are around me and ultimately for myself. So that I can enjoy the abundant life that God has promised. I can say wholeheartedly today to you, and I'll close with this. God will never promise you something that he will not deliver, that he will not deliver when you can handle it, that he will not deliver when his delivery will not overwhelm you. So be patient to receive the things God has spoken over your life and you will have no drama with your blessing. But if you continue to move before God, I can promise you that drama will come with what you think is the blessing. <coughs> what you think is the blessing. A friend of mine in New York, Bill Page, used to say, no drama for your mama. I say to you today, stay in the plan of God, and there will be no drama for you. God bless you. Heaven smile upon you and grant to you great peace. The Lord will always Keep his word.